0: Mobile
1: banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: All right. Welcome back to the Comics Corner of Friends from Work Plus. Hosted by me, Robbie Earle, and by her... Candace Earle. And this week, we are back to talk about Moon Knight, Candace.
1: I see that you're wearing your friends from work vintage 90s tee.
0: It's true. I actually thought about wearing my new Moon Knight hoodie that we got from Epic Hero Shop, but it just all of a sudden turned to spring in Austin, and that means it's like 80 degrees <laughs> outside, so the hoodie is not appropriate.
1: I feel you, Robbie. I also had a, speaking of weather and it being so lovely, I had a beautiful day at Barton Springs, which is the local swimming hole where I laid in the grass and went swimming today. Um, But lo and behold, the allergies have taken me. So I look Mm. like, you guys can't see me, but I look like Hitch when he eats shellfish (laughs) in the hit movie, Hitch. (laughs) Just dealing with some stuff over here.
0: But even still, showing up today to give it 110.
1: Do you think wearing your own podcast t-shirt while you podcast is like wearing the band tee to the concert?
0: Um. No, I think of it more as putting on a uniform before you go into battle.
1: <laughs> yeah, anyone that's been into battle just resents you so hard right now. <laughs> you know, I used to be one of those people that gave others a hard time for wearing the band t-shirt to the concert. And as I've gotten older, I actually embrace it. And I think it's great. If you're that excited to see the band and you want to wear the t-shirt, I think you totally should. Wow. And if you buy the t-shirt at the concert, it's so much easier just to wear it than to hold it the entire time. You might as well put it on.
0: That's true. Although then you have a situation where you might be like putting one shirt on top of another shirt, unless Mm -hmm. you came in shirtless. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, you you just deal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> also, I didn't realize that there was like such a controversy over whether it was or or was not okay to wear a band t-shirt to a show.
1: Is this like I'm delivering this news to you
0: now? I, I mean, I'm aware of the situation you're referring to. I didn't know that it was like a faux pas. Like I don't I don't think that I've personally done it. Other than maybe in like high school going to like warp tour, which is kind of different because then it's like there are a lot of bands.
1: And you're you're like showing off who you're excited to see. Exactly. You're like repping Mm -hmm. yours. Yeah.
0: But I didn't know that this was like a kind of take sides situation. Like, is it okay? Is it not okay?
1: I think it may be educational for me. I think at one point it probably was for a specific group of people, mainly jerks. And I'm only feeling comfortable saying that because Mm. I used to be in that category. A recovering jerk. A recovering jerk. But now I am just so glad to see anyone excited or passionate about anything. And Mm. so I think it's cool.
0: Lately I've been realizing this in a lot of ways. Um, There is so little time whenever I can just be wearing a T-shirt at this stage in life. I have a ton of T-shirts, but I've really started – Picking which shirt I want to wear that day, because I'm like, this is like one of two days this week where I'm I'm maybe gonna be wearing a t-shirt, and maybe not even then. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just my one t-shirt of the week, and I really love this Friends from Work vintage tee.
1: I know it sounds like
0: we're trying to like do an advertisement right now, but we're really not.
1: It's a really nice shirt. Again, you you get a discount. I hope you guys get, all get a chance to wear this shirt because. It looks really good. It's soft. Jacoby did a great job placing where it goes. I guess visually it's mm-hmm. aesthetically pleasing. I'm done gabbing about the shirt.
0: <laughs> it is nice. I feel like it's finally turning to the weather to go back to my original comment about the Moon Knight hoodie for T-shirts to be maybe more on the mind. I think the uh, the Friends from Work Spider-Man hoodies, which were also super dope went crazy fast, I think, because of the time of year in which they left. But we've been seeing more t-shirts getting snapped up. So
1: Love it. You love to see it.
0: You love to see it. But...
1: So we're talking about Moon Knight today. Also, yes. happy Moon Knight week to you, Robbie.
0: Wow, it's true. It feels like we've been revving up for Moon Knight forever, which I love. I think I was even saying this. If I didn't say this on the podcast, I know I've said this to you and Kyle. I was feeling a little bit like Marvel was getting into oversaturation mode by the time we got to the end of Hawkeye and No Way Home, and we had basically had something almost constantly on since WandaVision with What If and then with all the movies coming out. And so I think it's really nice that we've had a a bit of a break here um, for folks to either get caught up on things that they missed or to get excited about, something new all over again, instead of it just kind of, like, dropping as a matter of course.
1: Oh, it's so nice that the the Marvel content drought has finally ended, In and this week it rains. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> you know, so I will confess something. I've tried to keep my readings first and my viewing second, mm. because... I like going into these shows with some context. Mm -hmm. It's it's really worked out for me so far. Especially, I'm going to probably compare this a lot to my experience with Eternals because Mm. that was one story that I didn't know anything about. And so whenever I went to the movie, it was so helpful. Right. I broke my own rule this past week because Mm. you were in the living room watching Moon Knight. Right. And... I love Oscar Isaac so much. I've (laughs) loved him since he played that terrible person in Ex Machina, Mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite movies. I'm sure we've talked about it here. I can't remember. I
0: know. I'm talking
1: about it constantly, so it surely Mm -hmm. trickled over here at some point.
0: Also Drive around the same time. Yes. Also kind of a bad guy.
1: And. I just enjoy him so much, and then Dune came out, and I watched him in Dune, and mm-hmm. he just looks so good. Yeah. And the internet kind of woke up to how amazing Oscar Isaac is. Mm-hmm. So when I saw you watching it, I had to sit down, and and I'll be honest, it was hard. F- I, I mean, you know, I was asking you a million questions. Right. So that whenever I did come back and read Moon Knight, mm-hmm. I, it, I will say... I think it's helpful to read these comics first and then watch the show. Both together is a much more enjoyable watch hmm. whether you do one first or the other than if you just do, like, one. Does mm-hmm. that make sense?
0: Yeah. No, I think so. And I think that's that's an interesting conversation Kyle and I always have coming from a perspective where I've normally, though not always, read some comics, um, at least in terms of what's come out lately. Prior to those on screen incarnations of the characters, and Kyle obviously never has. And I think that they're like, I think there's something to be gained, like you're saying, from coming from both angles, like in terms of what you see first. But I do agree that it's just so fun seeing
1: how they adapt the story.
0: Right. Because Kevin Feige, I think, has learned learned a long time ago that he's got both audiences Mm -hmm. on any given project. And so I think that's part of the challenge that they have is, you know, it's not like adapting like Harry Potter, where it's like, you know, some things may change, but like the general plot points are going to be the same. Like if you've read the books and then see the movies.
1: There's so much content in storylines you could pull from here where you don't really know what's going to show up.
0: Well, and half the, like Eternals, Mm -hmm. you know, half the time they just fully change things not even based on a comic it's like they take the seed from the comic and just like make it a totally different thing like if you think about like the kind of just the the characterization who the deviants were Mm -hmm. who Cersei is like they just like kind of fundamentally alter it and you never really know but having read the comics you then get to come to it knowing kind of what that
1: the introduction's been made.
0: Right. Well, and the table is kind of set and then who knows what's going to happen from there, but it's just like you at least have the context, I guess. Moon Knight is especially interesting on that front though because like I've said on the podcast and and like you and I have talked about some this is one of those characters that has changed so much depending on who's writing him and what era and kind of what they're going for. Sometimes he has superpowers. Sometimes he doesn't have superpowers. Sometimes he's just like just a guy. Sometimes he's like a vessel of this Egyptian god. <laughs> like it really depends on who is taking up the book at any given moment, even just like a couple years apart. So I think in some ways that makes for a more interesting ramp for like Oscar Isaac and the creative team on Moon Knight because I think they really do feel like they could actually honor the comics while also having this totally unique, totally different thing. Um, Although as we talk about, I do think that there are some things that they kind of clearly pulled from certain comics.
1: I feel like I've heard in the past that Oscar Isaac gets very methodical with his his acting. Mm-hmm. In the press conference he went to, did he... I feel like for me, going into the mind of this character would be very scary.
0: Yeah, it's actually... it's It's interesting. I don't want to say... I can't say much about what he said because
1: you don't want to give it away.
0: Well, they they the press conference was for people that had seen the first four episodes, so a lot of the stuff that they said uh, assumes that you know that. But I will say
1: what I mean by that. I feel comfortable saying this because it's what we just read. Right. But this main character has multiple personality disorder, dissociative,
0: dissociative identity disorder, DID.
1: And I think tapping into a character like that can be, I mean, I think our minds are so fragile in certain ways. Yeah. And I think it would be really scary to have to sit in that and and then do it really well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I I did really, I thought was really interesting from that press conference is they were talking to Ethan Hawke, who plays the main villain in the show. About his approach to that character and his answer w- was interesting for his character, but also for Oscars, because he was saying what makes this a little bit different than your average superhero film is that it's the the protagonist who has a mental disorder. Mmm. Like nor- so often, villains are kind of like that's the explanation. You right. know, they were they either it was some sort of like abusive past, like if you think about like Kingpin in the Daredevil series, or it's like some kind of like they actually are just deranged in some way. Mm-hmm. And so he was saying it's it's been really fascinating because he couldn't then do that also as the villain. Like he needed to almost be the the kind of stable. Like, the role normally inhabited by the hero, he needs to inhabit as the villain and be more put together, letting Oscar kind of run with the kind of wildness of being, like, the hero in the center of the story that is juggling multiple identities.
1: I love that, though, because I feel like it's kind of catching up to the culture and that there has been such a stigma around mental illness and Mm -hmm. people are now finally in the year 2022 getting more comfortable being open about the things that they're struggling with and it's not so swept under the rug right? to where we've got this character who uses it to his advantage and it kind of highlights that, you know... I think the more that we are accepting and... celebrate people for what they are Mm -hmm. and just affirming that there's nothing wrong with you is it's a really cool spot to be in
0: right well and it seems like to answer your original question oscar has really he has gone very deep into this and it reminded me a lot of tom hiddleston with loki actually he and ethan Hawke remind me a lot of tom and owen wilson with loki and that Oscar seems to have really, and this is impressive because Tom Hiddleston's had that character for over a decade now and Oscar is just coming to this for the first time, but it seems like the same level of investment and that he's like, like sometimes you go to these things without naming names and there are certain people that like nothing against them, that it is a job, like they're an actor and they're, they're inhabiting this role for the duration of this series or movie. And then that's kind of it. Like, they're good sports about it, but they're not They're not clearly just, like, very into it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Oscar was definitely not in that camp. Like, he seems to really, really be into this project, be invested in this character. There were a lot of comments from the rest of the folks at the press conference, the other actors, the producers, the directors, that all said that he was just, like, a master class in acting the entire time. Like, how... And he was even, like, uh, some folks said he kind of became, like, an unofficial, like, coach in terms of how... Because he was so creatively aligned with the project as a whole, it almost feels like he was, like, quasi-directing. And so he really had this vision for how he saw things going. And I think he himself personally brought about some of the plot elements and the the versions of the characters that we'll end up seeing on the show that you will notice have... Never been reflected in the comics. Like, there are some calls that Oscar made that I think are pretty major um, and I think really, really interesting. So, I, I, it does seem like he is, at least for the duration, like very in Moon Knight World, which I love. Mm.
1: Well, you know, I can gab about Oscar Isaac <laughs> all day long, but I'm going to put a pin in that now because I want you to introduce these
0: comics yes so i've got my stack of moon knight comics here we are only talking really about the the one but just to give you a sense and and to give me a sense of all these different representations and this is only just like a slice of it we've got the original doug munch bill sinkovich comics here we've got the bendis maleev run the Lemire Smallwood run, which is going to be our second Moon Knight reading, mm. coming soon. I've got an issue from the Jed McKay ongoing Moon Knight series, which has actually been fantastic. It's been really fun because this and Eternals both have ongoing series right now that are just really, really good, which mm-hmm. is not always the case. Sometimes these like tie-ins that Marvel does whenever there's like a big MCU thing feel very kind of perfunctory, like they're not It seems like they're just there for the cash grab. That's not what's going on with the Moon Knight comic now. All that to say, there are a lot of Moon Knight comics for folks to dig into after the one that we're talking about today, which is the 2014 Moon Knight by Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey. I say that. They only wrote the first six issues of that run, and then it went on to other creators. Those are the only issues... That we read because a lot of folks, I think rightly, view this as the easiest introduction to to Moon Knight in light of what I've talked about, with there being so many versions and so many like seemingly competing interpretations, that I think even like this first page here, like the summary it gives you of who Moon Knight is, mm-hmm. I think is in some ways kind of all you need to know. And I, I respect the way that they've boiled that down. I
1: agree. And I actually love that it's the same one every night. It's mm-hmm. almost like the intro to Law & Order. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it is helpful. And it, it cleared up a lot of the questions that I had just right off the bat.
0: Oh, good. That's actually a perfect transition. Because as we're getting into these comics themselves, I was going to ask, you know, we also had some optional reading for this week that some folks may have read. It was the Werewolf by Night issues that Moon Knight first appeared in in the 70s and the first issue of the first Moon Knight comic um, in 1980. Those are helpful, like I've been saying, just to kind of see the evolution of the character some and still see some of that core DNA. I didn't know, do you want to talk about that briefly on the front end? Or would you rather dive into the Ella Shelby stuff and then you ask any questions that arise and we can kind of reference those as necessary.
1: Hmm. Give me one. Thank you for asking <laughs> to give me the, the origin story, mm-hmm. original background. And then if I have any questions about werewolf by night, I'll, I'll, I'll let them rise to the surface.
0: <laughs> well, Yeah. <laughs> It's it's really interesting because the first time Moon Knight shows up is in, I think, 1977 in Werewolf by Night 32, uh, which, as we've talked about, Werewolf by Night is getting its own MCU adaptation coming, I think, later this year for the Halloween season. So we'll probably maybe get to read some of those kind of classic uh, pulpy 70s books. But... The way that Moon Knight shows up there is almost—it's like similar to the way Wolverine showed up for the first time as a Hulk villain before they figured out kind of what Wolverine the X Men X Man looked like. He shows up as a villain technically because the hero of that story is the werewolf. Um, although these like Marvel horror comics, he's not—it's more of a Hulk kind of a situation in that comic. Moon Knight is just a guy just like a mercenary that's, like, good at killing people. And this kind of shadowy group of people give him the Moon Knight outfit and the weapons, and they're like, you're going to be Moon Knight now and go out and fight this werewolf. And that's, like, all we get. But interestingly, that comic was written by the creator of Moon Knight, uh, Douglas Munch, because that was obviously his first appearance. But he was also the one that stayed on the character, like, for years after this. Like, he started that first series. So it's, like, it sounds like the kind of thing where a character would have been introduced by one person Mm -hmm. and someone else would have come in and picked it up and and made it into something better and different, sort of like with Daredevil and Stan Lee versus Frank Miller. But what's fascinating is, like, this was all the same guy. So it's, like, he's going and just realizing, like, this is kind of dumb. I'm going to change this. So across those first couple years... Moon Knight is just appearing in Marvel Comics as a guest star. So he shows up in Werewolf by Night first. Then he shows up in the Marvel Team Up book, which was just this period where Marvel would pair up different characters with Spider-Man because they knew people would buy anything that had Spider-Man in it. Mm -hmm. And then he shows up in the back half of this Hulk magazine that Marvel was putting out through the 80s where it was like a backup issue. Like you would read the Hulk story and then it's like, here's a bonus moon Knight story. And then in that they kind of explored other different things. And the it's just funny looking at them trying to figure out like they, they landed on the design almost immediately. And I think everyone was like, this is a cool looking character. But at first with like the werewolf thing, he gets like bitten by a werewolf. And so then that makes him like, It's like he doesn't turn into a wolf, but he's got, like, a little bit of, like, werewolf strength if he's out and the moon's out.
1: I've seen Twilight. I'm familiar.
0: Right. And then there's a period where that kind of goes away, but he still has greater strength if the moon's out. But that's tied into, like, his moon nightness. And then there are periods where that's just kind of, like, scrapped and he is sort of, we're just coming back to him being a normal guy. But all of that goes on without anything to do with Khonshu and Egypt at all. Like, for years, they're just, like, Moon Knight is this guy that that he's basically a mercenary that puts on this costume and, like, fights crime. Mm -hmm. What was interesting, though, before we get to the ancient Egypt stuff, is the way that they really separated Moon Knight early on was not him having multiple personalities, but him just having multiple aliases, right? So in these first few issues, um, and I can't remember if we see that a ton in, in Werewolf by Night. I think we do, but you definitely do if you read Moon Knight number one. He is—he's this guy. Mark Spector is who I think we're supposed to believe he actually is the mercenary, but he has since taken this like Bruce Wayne style persona, Stephen Grant.
1: I made a note this past week reading this about the the similarities between Moon Knight and the Batman.
0: It, a lot of, oh, like the Batman the movie or Batman the More
1: character. specifically the Batman the movie. More specifically in how this character interacts with law enforcement. Mm. To the point where I was reading this. And thinking, this looks so familiar. Did I already read this? Where did I remember this storyline? But it reminded me of Robert Pattinson, Batman, going to the crime scene. Right, And and all the other cops are wondering what he's doing there because they're like, isn't he a vigilante? Mm -hmm. And lo and behold,
0: so is this guy. true? (laughs) Well, and a lot of people have made that comparison. I think Moon Knight and Daredevil are the characters that are most often compared to Batman, like, on the Marvel side.
1: and It's partially because they don't have, quote-unquote, powers. Right.
0: That, that's a good point, though, because, yeah, he didn't early on have powers, and the thing that did separate him from other heroes in the Marvel Universe, but also someone like Batman, were these aliases that I'm talking about, where, like, he had the Bruce Wayne one and Stephen Grant... Mark Spector was him at, like, Mercenary Killer. And then Jake Lousley, I think, is, I'll have to look back, um, was his third alias that was, like, a cabbie driver. (laughs) And so each issue of these old Moon Knight comics, it's so weird, honestly. Like, you go back and reread, and it's, like, so crazy that we got through all that to where he currently is. But it's, like, he will start... Like, it'll open in his mansion with his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, talking to her about some case that's come up. Because it's very, like... It is very law and order in those early comics where it's, like... He closes out each issue, like, retelling the events of the comic into a tape recorder. And that's his, like... And he always ends with case closed. And, like, the next (laughs) issue opens up. So... (laughs) But it'll open when he's in his mansion and he's talking with his girlfriend who's always like naked in the bathtub. It's like a very (laughs) like.
1: Men will do anything but go to therapy, (laughs) I
0: swear. And so they'll be talking and she's like, okay, but are you going to go out as Mark or Steven tonight? And he'll be like, neither. Tonight is a night for Jake. And he puts on his cabbie costume, which is just a different jacket and a hat. He doesn't do anything to his face for any of these costumes. <laughs> he just changes outfits. And then he he goes around and he goes to the same diner every time as Jake to get his, as like an informant. That's where he'll get his information about whatever crime is developing. Then he goes back to the mansion and is like Stephen Grant, rich guy again, until like something comes up. And then he's like, now I got to be Mark Spector to like interact with these military guys that are involved in this crime thing. And so then he'll go do that. And then the issue ends after he's put on the Moon Knight costume, which is like another persona, defeated someone. And then he comes back to the mansion and is Stephen Grant again. But I say all that, like, this is, it it wasn't.
1: This is like two dogs in a trench coat. I mean, (laughs) this is so much work.
0: It's so, it's also just interesting because he's not, like, the people that he knows, like, his girlfriend knows all the identities you know, it's not like it's. A, he's keeping it a secret necessarily from the people closest to him. And it doesn't even come off as, like, a secret identity thing as much. He's just like, well, this situation calls for Stephen Grant. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, you're putting on that jacket. You are going to be Stephen tonight. <laughs> and it's like he's – what's strange about it, though, is he's not initially in those comics actually – Like, those are not separate personalities. They're all the same guy putting on disguises. But eventually, that, like, way down the line starts to kind of blur. And as they start dealing with maybe he's just kind of crazy, Mm -hmm.
1: and is he
0: actually, does he really think he's all these different identities? And then by the time you get a couple of different writers on it, um, especially in the 2000s, you come out with this, oh, he does, like, he has DID, like, he actually goes back and forth from those folks. But it's just interesting how these elements of those initial comics were so strange but have now made their way to this performance by Oscar Isaac that I think people are going to be really intrigued by, starting with this, like, guy with his four personas in a mansion and his oh and his um his French helicopter pilot mm-hmm if you're listening and you did read the added issues and you didn't take away anything else from those I hope that you got a second to absorb his French helicopter pilot named Frenchie who just he, they will always insert Z's in front of his words to make it a French accent.
1: <laughs> this is the climb.
0: And he, 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 his name is Frenchy because he's from France, and he follows Moon Knight around above him all the time in a helicopter.
1: I've had enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. So, anyway, that is sort of like a summation of the first maybe, like well, three years of Moon Knight comics, but also more in terms of some of those other elements. But in 1980, Moon Knight number one, written by Doug Minch and drawn by Bill Sienkiewicz, um, that's the first time we get the narrative of him having died in Egypt. Mm -hmm. And so that story opens as kind of a flashback from the Moon Knight that we know and finding out all this stuff had happened that we've never heard about. And he's there in Egypt, working as a mercenary, uh, whatever that means.
1: I I'm so glad you, to hear you say that because I did Google what a mercenary was this past week. I've know like I've heard the word right. before, but I had to make sure I understood properly. Well, it's
0: just like it,
1: <laughs> it's such a dated thing to call someone right.
0: Exactly. Like I and, and at some points they talk about him being like CIA for a bit and. Um, but it is just funny that he was he was just going out, I, I guess, being hired to kill people, but also kind of not. Mm-hmm. But on that note, that is where we find Mark Spector at the beginning of Moon Knight number one. It's a flashback to one of his exploits as a mercenary in Egypt. And before I go any further there, since we're kind of, one, about to get into the origin story as kind of recapped in this first issue, um, but also just as we kind of get away from this introductory section, I did want to say, for those that read the additional comics this week, these are very dated comics. And if you read them on Marvel Unlimited, there's actually a warning at the beginning where it just says that there is some, like there are insensitive depictions of characters that are not white.
1: Oh no. And
0: so I want to say that now. Now, you know, Marvel just printed this massive volume with these comics, so it's not hiding from them, but there's stuff, it's it, it this was like an issue through all of Marvel for the longest time. Like they would just draw non-white characters in I don't in, in ways that now seem uh offensive? caricaturesque. Yeah. Mm. So I wanted to say that first, that if you're reading this and you're like And it's not just the drawing, it's actually, it's more often the writing. Like, Doug Munch also wrote the old Shang-Chi stuff, Mm. which is challenging because, one, I should say he's a white guy, and two, whenever we talked with Douglas Wolk about all the Marvels, he talked about this tension where those comics are simultaneously very racist and problematic in other ways, but also very good. Mm Mm-hmm. And I actually thought the way Douglas talked about that was really interesting and really healthy because that is also sort of the case as we talk about the Warren Ellis-Declan Shalvey run, not so much because of any depiction in that, but because of Warren Ellis himself, who has been accused of essentially sexual harassment and has consequently not really done much work in the comics industry over the past few years. So I wanted to... A a lot of folks have actually shied away from reading these ahead of the the Moon Knight series, and I've seen people recommend the Lemire Smallwood stuff and just leave out the Ellis Shalvey stuff. But I thought, one, this is the first time we ever see the Mr. Knight character. Declan Shalvey created that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's fair to take... Like, I, I think these are good comics, and I think Declan Shalvey did really good work, and I think even if you do want to kind of blacklist Warren Ellis, I don't know that the artist should also be punished for that. Right. Um, and two, to kind of go back to what Douglas Wilk was saying, it does suck when someone that creates something good is also out doing things that are bad. But I think that it's it's worth sometimes stepping back from that and pulling the art out and examining it for what it is. So so I just wanted to give a bit of a disclaimer there at the top that for folks that are reading either these seventies issues or these Ellis issues that are thinking that friends from work plus is veering into uncomfortable territory, just wanted everyone to know the thought process behind that.
1: Man. Well, well appreciated, Robbie. Thank you for, (laughs) for the disclaimer
0: That said, uh, the reason I was saying all that is because that first issue does find Mark Spector in Egypt with this other mercenary who becomes kind of the first big Moon Knight villain. Long story short, he, in an effort to save an innocent person from being killed by this mercenary he's working with, himself gets killed. So it's this, like, he's been a mercenary, he's been out just like a hired gun. And then in his one act of trying to actually protect an innocent. That's when he dies. And then he is brought in front of this ancient Egyptian statue and is resurrected and grabs this cloak that's sitting around in this ancient Egyptian tomb and is like, I am now the knight of vengeance and I am the moon knight and then goes out and starts fighting people with his cloak on. And then they wind up retconning all of that to where he takes that design and works with the shadowy people from the Werewolf by Night comic and gets his Moon Knight costume and incorporates his alternate identities. And that is the Moon Knight origin story as it sat for a long time until we got to this Warren Ellis story, which I would say kind of reimagined, maybe like recentered. The character and, like I said, introduced the the Mister Knight mm. version, um, where we see him with the white suit and the the mask.
1: I did appreciate everyone railing on his white suit at night.
0: Mm-hmm. But he wants them to see him coming. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so that is the introduction to Moon Knight as a whole. Like I said, these six issues, written by Warren Ellis, drawn by Declan Shalvey. This is what Marvel bills as the best introduction to the character. As someone that has not really been introduced to this character, I will let you decide whether that is true.
1: Well, you are correct. I actually never heard of Moon Knight until this project was introduced by the Disney Plus team. Mm -hmm. I'll offer some generalized thoughts and then a few questions. Sure. One, love the cold opens. I love that we, this is the first time I've noticed that we get a few scenes or panels before the comic itself is announced, which I thought was very cool. Uh huh. I loved that, I mean, you talked about how bogus this writer sounds. There's not a ton of dialogue.
0: That's actually a really good point, especially in, in the later issues.
1: I mean, the art really does carry the story, and I'll say I was very... Happy to read this digitally and not on paper because mm. of the way that it reads with the art.
0: Oh, like doing the panel by panel view? hmm
1: Because they're so easy to flip through because there's no reading, but mm-hmm. it almost, it really does read like a flip book. Yeah. I thought it was cool.
0: Yeah. Especially that sniper issue.
1: Yeah, that one seems like to be your favorite. Mm-hmm. What do you think his little crest weapon is made out of?
0: Um, I mean, I I've always thought silver.
1: It's just so crazy how impactful that little thing can be.
0: <laughs> it's also funny because again, it's like a it's a clearly a batarang type thing from a, a, like the the Batman world again being drawn upon heavily. Also, I should say. Uh, Douglas Munch was a Batman writer, mm. as well as the Moon Knight creator. Checks out. Um, but yeah, I would. T- I, I think I've always thought Silver, I need to go back. They may specify that.
1: It almost makes me wonder if it's some sort of Egyptian.
0: You know what? Well, I think it was intended to be Silver <laughs> originally, because remember he fought a werewolf, and that's like a thing with werewolves, where if they get stabbed with Silver, it's it. So I think he had his... his crescent moon shaped silver disks that he threw. So that may still be the case. I don't know, maybe they're like vibranium or adamantium, adamantium or something, but
1: the other thing that caught me off guard is that each issue had its own villain. Mhm. So it it makes me curious. I didn't watch all of the Moon Knight show. I watched the first episode with you. Mhm. I'm curious as to the villain that Ethan Hawke is knowing that there's not really, uh, to be honest, and this is going to sound like a joke. I was just waiting for Kingpin to show up because (laughs) he's in everything. (laughs) Uh Uh,
0: No, that's a good question. And that's another one of the things that I think is going to make the show really fun for people on both sides of the, the comics reading or not comics reading spectrum or both ends rather. Because the the character that Ethan Hawke is playing is pulled from a very obscure... Moon Knight is already a fairly obscure character. (laughs) And then they pulled from one of his more obscure villains for Arthur Harrow. And that means that they're... I think they basically pulled that character in name only almost and are letting Ethan Hawke make that who he wants it to be. So I don't think in any of our readings we are going to actually happen upon that character because I think he only showed up in maybe one issue of the entire Moon Knight, like any Moon Knight comic ever. But but I think also there aren't a ton of big Moon Knight villains, like even if they wanted to do a blockbuster one. Right. Uh, like it's not like you have a Green Goblin or, or Joker or Kingpin.
1: Mm-hmm. Some other things that stuck out to me, each villain in the moon knight issues is a villainy cuz they they're very jaded by something. Hmm. They've all seem feel like they've been wronged by the system in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there there's definitely a formula happening here in hmm. each of these issues.
0: Which is interesting cuz they planned if you read the the last note from issue 6 the editor says that they had always planned this to be six issues that that this writing artist team did in combination. So they planned it out that way. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it wasn't like they were coming up with things each month as they went. But yeah, that's a good point. Because the the first guy is like the injured.
1: Agent, uh, shield agent. Right. Right?
0: Right. And then, oh yeah, and then that's true. It's similar with the sniper where he was left to hang out there.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So you get that with the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, mm-hmm. the, po- the police officer. I'm going to be naming these out of order. The sleep doctor. They all kind of, to me, feel like th- there's some commonality in the reasons that they are, quote unquote, evil.
0: Yeah, they, it sort of be. It, it seems to be coming from some kind of wound mm-hmm. for all. Even the punk ghosts,
1: which I will say was my favorite issue, hmm. and you want to know why? I do. It reminded me of the movie Mandy.
0: Oh yeah,
1: which is if you haven't watched Mandy, it's a Spectre Vision film, mm-hmm. which is the production company owned by Elijah Wood. Mm-hmm. I love their movies. I love Mandy specifically. It stars Nicolas Cage. Uh-huh. And it is the most metal film. And I mean that like like metal. Not the material. Like no, it's... The lifestyle. It's... It's there,
0: a wild flick.
1: There's a moment. One, don't watch it with your parents. There's like more full frontal male <laughs> nudity than I remembered when I showed my dad at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> two, there's a chainsaw fight where uh-huh. two... Where Nicolas Cage fights a punk demon, Mm -hmm. and they both are sword fighting, but with chainsaws. And that's all you need to know. Yeah. If that doesn't seal the deal for you, then I don't know what will. Robbie, speaking of movies that I love, that this comic series made me think of, Mm. when Mark is with his... Egyptian god friend psyche world. Khonshu? Yes. Do you, did you feel it like it was reminiscent of Fight Club? Mmm. Felt very Tyler Durgan to me.
0: I did not think about that, but I, that's a really interesting call out. Even if not for Khonshu, but just for the, like, we don't get a lot of the, the DID stuff in these issues, but. Yeah, I think that's. I think you can even see some of that in, in the way,
1: like when he goes to the old mansion and right. he goes and he kind of sits with these things that are in his head. Mm-hmm. It made me feel like parts of that movie.
0: Right. Which, by the way, you did. So you saw in that scene these three personas that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, where the one guy with his like newsy cap and the
1: right. And then he has the audacity to put on this goofy mummy costume. Uh And it just, I honestly got, that it lost me for a minute there.
0: (laughs) Whenever he's fighting the punk guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although, man, I mean, talking about influences popping up in unexpected places, that costume, I think, shows up. In a big way, in, in the way that the Disney Plus series visualizes his suit.
1: Well, there's that Egyptian godhead that's on your new hoodie you got from...
0: Right, from Epic Hero Shop.
1: Mm-hmm. Which I did not put two and two together. I didn't right. actually understand what that symbol was.
0: Yeah, but the mummy side of it is what I'm saying. I, I think they really leaned into in the way that... Like, even whenever he puts on the suit in the show, like, it looks very mummy-esque, like there are, like, bandages wrapping him as he's kind of suiting up. And that's very different from the, at least the initial imaginings of, of how that, like, like I said, normally you just saw him wearing a suit and then he puts his hood and mask on, like, Batman style, mm-hmm. and would go out. But I think that, like... There are little things like that from the Ellis Shelby run. When we get to this next run, this Lemire Smallwood, I think it's, it's really crazy at the press conference. They referenced this several times. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be, once we read this, the thing that I think people recognize the most um, in terms of things that are pulled into the show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I think that... There are, some, there are some more subtle things, even just tonally, that I think are pulled from this. And I think one of those is the, the tying of his costume to, like, a, an ancient Egypt mummy sort of a thing. So I feel like that's a little bit of issue three coming through.
1: Yeah, and I like that they've done that because I think it ties things together well. Because... <laughs> this guy that's fighting emotionally wounded people <laughs> trying in New York City trying to make the connect to ancient egypt is a hard string to carry you know right. what i mean
0: right which is another interesting thing to note off the bat and i don't think this is a spoiler but this is something else that that Oscar Isaac referenced in the in the press conference in the MCU moon knight is not in New York Mm. At least not yet. We meet him in London. Okay. And Oscar said that that was an intentional choice because they thought that New York already had too much going on and they wanted to hmm. diversify geographically.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Robbie, what was your favorite issue out of all the six of
0: these? I do think issue two is one that stuck with me just because it reminded me of some of those Hawkeye issues we talked about where it just feels different structurally and it really like I, I think what shelby did reminds me of the kind of aha approach of like r- really visual storytelling like you're not writing to a script you're kind of telling the story on your own and the scriptor comes in and fills in whatever they need to mm-hmm. just because it's like the the way that we get to know these characters really quickly just, and and I will get like the way Warren Ellis writes each one. And when they're on the phone with different people and talking about their plans for the night. And like, you just get to really quickly glimpse these different folks that are coming from different places and heading to different places, but all having this one intersection of getting shot at these exact moments. And then you find out at the end that they're all tied together. I just think it's, it's really well it's unfurled in a really interesting and I think really effective way.
1: Oh, and it's so dark too. Yeah. I'm thinking, what I love is how ordinary everyone's day is until it's not.
0: Mm-hmm. One in the one guy that survives because he was like running late or something mm-hmm. and, and like gets off the schedule he was planning on. But, but again, the guy that's killing everybody, like you're saying, is this. It's also this guy that felt like he was hung out to dry. Mm-hmm. And that is really similar to all these other folks that that he encounters. Although I think the other thing I liked about that issue is that these do a good job of maintaining that balance between the mystical, supernatural, and not in terms of what Moon Knight is kind of built for. So it's like that first issue is sort of sci-fi because the guy's like doing all of these things to his body that you obviously couldn't actually do in real life. But then the second one is just a sniper. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's a lot more grounded. And then the third one, it's like a full on band of ghosts. Right. <laughs> so it, it, it kind of keeps you on your toes in terms of what sort of world we're playing in by having someone that's not like, I, I like that that villain was not super powered or mystical in any way.
1: Agreed. That one was great. I'll tell you my favorite. Well, so storyline-wise, Punk Mummies. Uh Uh-huh. Visually, number four, Sleep. I love the psychedelic artwork. Yeah,
0: that was cool. The
1: Mushroom Planet. Mm -hmm. And he has to go in and get people's consciences. Mm -hmm. It's a whirlwind, and I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I for I, I keep forgetting about that issue, but that one is so good.
1: Mhm.
0: And it's like it's also all of these are pretty dark.
1: Yeah, they are really dark.
0: They it, it in some ways it it reminds me of um of Neil Gaiman in the kind of storytelling here where it's like dark in a very particular way. Mhm. But yeah, it's it's like those visuals were like borderline disturbing
1: mm-hmm.
0: at times with like the spore kind of looking things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I I did like though, for me, like I think number two is my favorite single issue, but I did feel like the way that they make, they wrap this up and make it into one cohesive thing in issue six was impressive because like I said, this is part of a longer series, but this was like a it's sort of seen as a run within a run that Ellis and Shelby did. And the way that they like bring back the cop from the very first issue that's like, why aren't we listening to this guy? Like he's a vigilante. And then coming kind of full circle I thought was effective.
1: Yeah, it puts a nice bow on it. And one, I read all of these in an hour.
0: Yeah, it moves it very, moved quickly. very
1: quickly. And Getting that, you know, all tied into like a nice little bow is great.
0: Well, what would you say then? Because like I said, I think we're going to get a lot more into some of the stuff drawn from for the show in this next run. And, And I think we're going to be releasing that episode around midway through the season. But in terms of just introductory, having no background for Moon Knight, other than having kind of seen the first episode of the show, what are your thoughts on this character as compared to some of the others that we've spent time with from Spider-Man to Daredevil? How are are you intrigued by this character? Do you enjoy reading about him? What are your general takeaways?
1: I am more excited than I expected myself to be. Hmm. I think usually whenever there's a character like, WandaVision, who I already know and, mm-hmm. and, and love and am and excited about what they're doing creatively with the project. It, it makes me intrigued. Mm-hmm. With this one, casting Oscar, Oscar Isaac and then finding out all the nuances of Moon Knight. So his DID mm-hmm. and... The Egyptian stuff uh-huh. was so weirdly put together to me that I was I wanted to know how it all came together.
0: Right. Which I am curious to see how it comes together in the show still.
1: I will say, and I mean this surprising no one, I am more excited for Moon Knight than I was for Hawkeye.
0: <laughs> hey, don't undo the
1: the work that Jeremy work, and I have done together.
0: <laughs> y'all have that's really... That's totally one-sided. <laughs> y'all have really reconciled in a beautiful way, and I don't want to give anyone the wrong idea.
1: I love that when Disney is brave enough to go that dark, though. And right. I know that, I mean, Lord knows we don't need any more darkness than what reality already gives <laughs> us, but... I felt this way about Loki, mm-hmm. where you know they tapped into some crazy,
0: like philosophical quandaries.
1: Yeah, like space and time. Mm-hmm. And with this one, they're taking this character that is a protagonist and a good guy, but actually has all the qualities of a villain. Right. And I like I, I appreciate them them wanting to, to go there and. You can tell they're doing that by putting the Daredevil TV show on Disney Plus, too. Right. That said, I have an asterisk on that. I Hmm. think that DC goes too dark. Hmm. And I hope that Disney, and I think they will because they still have Guardians and Thor. Right. And all of these movies that are actually at the top of my list. I hope that they realize that you don't have to go so dark and heavy to make a good project. If anything, you know how people want to create something super moody because they know that it's going to be well received because it's complex and right. you know, he's, you know, we have to have all of these villain origin stories because the villains have to have a reason for why they're so evil. It's like, you know, like sure. Right. But it's also okay just to have raccoons talking in space. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, and I will say, I think people will be surprised, I was surprised, and how much comedy there is in Moon Knight. Like, Oscar, play, like, there's a lot of physical comedy. Like, it's very, and he talked about this in the press conference as well. Like, he, he was looking to a certain brand. Like, he talked even about, like, the office, like, the British office. Mm-hmm and how he was trying to capture, like, an English sense of humor, <laughs> and which is another thing we'll talk about. I don't want to get into too much until folks have had a chance to see the show. So my, my point being, I think um, it was less, in some ways it, it was dark in the way I was thinking and that there are some kind of scary moments. It's more, like, brutal in certain moments. But in some ways I, I found it to be actually, like, much more lighthearted than the comic we read this week for instance
1: right okay well that's encouraging
0: so I think people it's just interesting like I told you I think it's just very I kept seeing reviews about how unique it is and I feel like that's such a cop out but it really is unique within the Marvel Mm -hmm. pantheon
1: I think that's one thing I will say that is so refreshing about Marvel man I've come a really long way
0: wow (laughs)
1: But with with all of the content coming out now feeling like reboot after reboot, mm-hmm. this is a remake of this show that happened 20 or 30 years ago. Right. Watching them break their own rules and do refreshing ideas and take stories that are clearly already written, but putting a new spin on it is just... A breath of fresh air, mm-hmm. and I think it's so needed in this world that only wants to repurpose content.
0: Wow, that's true. I was thinking about how wild it is that we're living in a world where a character like Moon Knight is being portrayed by an A-list actor <laughs> like this. It's cool. Um, yeah, like that. They're they are finding new things. It's not like they're like immediately starting a new Iron Man story or something, right? Uh,
1: well. I am looking forward to hanging out in the Moon Knight Slack on Wednesday when Episode 1 is released.
0: Same. I'm looking forward to watching Episode 1 again.
1: I know. Me too. I, we did start it pretty late at night, and I think I was a little sleepy. So I'm going to be up and at. I'm ready to watch it on Wednesday.
0: It's also difficult to get past the massive email address across the screen. <laughs> That those screeners include. So it'll be nice to see it without that. Agreed. All right. We will be back soon in a couple of weeks with our second installment of Moon Knight that I'm really excited about because I think that gets into a lot of what you'll you'll recognize from this show. But in the meantime. Please do reach out on the Slack or social media or Patreon, wherever you find it most convenient, and let us know your thoughts on these Warren Ellis, Declan Shalvey issues, the bonus issues that we read, Moon Knight as a whole. If you're listening to this before the show premieres, let us know what you're most excited for in the show. Um, In general, the Slack is a great place to kind of get into that conversation like we were saying um so there's a moon night channel there as well as a friends from work plus comics corner
1: and until then happy reading and we'll see you next time